in its various forms through friendship and humility and peace and self-control. Those are the things that we're looking at this coming, this coming month. We looked at friendship last, uh, last week and we're going to touch on a few things even from friendship from last week again this week as we think about humility. Wisdom, it is simply the art or the skill of living well in God's created order, living well. Humility is one characteristic that will help you be wise, help you to live well in God's world. In Australia, culturally speaking, oh, if we can, does this thing work? You can just go to the blank, next one's blank. In Australia, culturally speaking, humility is very much prized, respected. We love it. We love it so much that if you don't look humble, we'll make sure of it and we'll chop you down. If you're looking arrogant, we'll chop you down. That's kind of what we like to do. But it's hard to nail down pride because it's a superficial thing in one sense. It's a vibe that people give off, arrogance and pride. You can kind of smell it. That's all you can do. For example, you may think someone is arrogant if they're acting confidently or something like that, so self-assured, when in fact they may not be arrogant, they may just be good at what they do. They may just be competent at what they do. They may just be self-assured in, in their skills, as it were. On the other hand, you may, find, you may think someone is very humble because they are quiet-spoken. They're reserved. They have a, a quiet disposition. And you think, that's a humble person. When in fact, that person may be terribly arrogant. All that to say is that pride and humility, they are dispositions of the heart. And you can't see the heart. Although sometimes you can, sometimes you, there'll, there'll be uh, symptoms of pride and arrogance that you can see. But you can't really tell the heart. When we go through the book of Proverbs and we think about pride and humility, the book of Proverbs thinks about three categories for which pride and humility pop up in. And those are in regards to God, in regards to one another, relationships, and also in regards to our plans, the things that we want to do. So it is that the proud, they say, well, I am better than God. Or the proud may say, well, I am better than you, in terms of relationships. Or the proud say, I know what's best. My way is the best way when it comes to plans. Whereas the humble, they will say, no, God is king. God is king. I'm here to serve you and not my will, but the Lord's will be done. That's what the humble person says. First things first, when it comes to God, the proud heart says, well, I am better than God. I am better than God. The problem in the Bible is that God personally deals with those who are proud. He personally deals with them. Proverbs 15 says, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place, protects them, protects the widow, tears down the house of the proud. Or the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. That's what we read this morning from the youngs. So if wisdom is the skill of living well in this world, then it is silly, it is foolish to think that this world is not God's world. It is God's world. For that reason, pride attacks the very foundation of wisdom. It makes it impossible. Pride makes it impossible to live wisely, truly. Because wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. 
The proud heart has no fear of the Lord. The proud heart cannot be wise. God has made this whole world in his wisdom. It is his. He owns it. That means he made you. He made me. That means we are his. He owns us. We belong to him. The heart of pride says, it is up to me. No one tells me what to do. I belong to no one but myself, says pride. But the humble, they honour God as king. They say, God is my ruler. Wisdom's instruction is the fear of the Lord. And humility comes before honour. Again, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honour and life. How do you get riches and honour and life and the blessings of humility? Well, in much the same way that God addresses the proud personally, tears them down. So it is that God lifts up the humble personally. He addresses that. And the blessing of the Lord is that we could say, you are in harmony with the Lord, the way that he made the world, the way that he made you to be, to know him, to serve him, to love him, to walk his ways. The wisdom is in itself the fear of the Lord. It is humbly submitting to him. That is the blessing. But all this talk of wisdom and humility, it's like mining for gold. It's such a rare thing. True humility is such a rare thing to experience. And I think that is because Christianity is a rare thing. Not saying all Christians are humble, because that would be arrogant. <laughs> Rather, I'm saying that true humility ultimately requires someone to submit their will to God, to call him king, to bow the knee. There is no humility truly without that. There is no wisdom truly without that than to call God king. That is why it's a very rare thing, a very rare thing. So the first point, when it comes to God, when it comes to pride and humility in regards to God, the proud heart says, well, I'm better than God. And if we can remember a time when we weren't a Christian, that's what we said, I'm better than God. Even if we didn't think about God, that in itself meant, well, I think I'm more worthy of thinking about than God. The proud heart says, I'm better than God, but the humble and wise, the Christian says, no, 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 God is king. God is the king. When it comes to pride and humility in regards to relationships, the proud say, I'm better than you. Well, they don't say that. If they do say that, that's rough. <laughs> that's really rough. But the proud heart thinks that, believes that. I'm better than you. But it is a very rare thing and a very humble thing, a very wise thing to say, no, no, no. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. Last week we considered how selfishness was a friendship killer. Well, so is pride. And really pride leads to selfishness. Pride says, I am better than you. You are less important than me. These sorts of thoughts. And of course, if you're thinking that sort of way, all you care about is you because of your pride, which is what kills relationships, which is what kills the friendships that we are put here to, uh, to serve one another. It kills that, as we thought about last week. A challenging passage, 
Proverbs 13 says, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there's strife, there's pride. Chances are you have experienced much strife, much interrelational conflict with people in your life. And the longer you live, the more you experience strife. Chances are, as this proverb says, pride was involved in that. Someone else's ego was involved in that. Oh, so, sorry, someone's ego is involved in that, whether yours or theirs, I should say. And before we say someone else's, like I just did, before we say someone else's pride was involved, we should say, no, Robbie, maybe it was your pride that was involved. Just like the Lord Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye before you look at the speck in someone else's eye. So often we are contributing pride to a strife or to a conflict. That being said, that being said, there are times when you, there is a conflict going on and you really, you know, it really is that person's ego, that person's pride, which is causing this trouble, whether that's in the workplace or in the family or in the church, not exempt at all from this kind of thing. You can tell it's someone else's pride. What is the solution? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the solution is to that. As the proverb alludes to, the, wise, the, the proud don't take advice. They don't take advice. You can't, cannot be guided by another person. Why would they need advice? They know it all. They know it all. That makes it difficult. That makes it difficult. So perhaps the solution is not so much that you'll change the situation, so to speak. You won't end a conflict. But more the Bible presents a, a solution in terms of, well, you don't have to be part of that. You don't have to be involved in that in the wrong way. Be of such a character, be of such humble character that you are patient or gracious or slow to speak, slow to become angry, where you use your words in a measured and careful, considerate way. Things we thought about last year when we thought about words and anger last year in the book of Proverbs. Those things will not get rid of pride in a situation. They will not stop a problem from occurring uh, necessarily, but they will be protective factors for you. The proud and arrogant person, Mocha is his name, behaves with insolent fury from Proverbs 21-24. Proud and arrogant people mock other people who they see are below them. It is anecdotally said that they do this because they themselves are insecure. I don't necessarily think that's true. I think on the contrary, from what I understand from social psychology, is that people who mock other people like this tend themselves to, to truly believe they are better. They are better. And sometimes the best thing you can do, as we thought about anger last year, if you remember back to this, the best thing you can do, as the proverb says, is give distance. To step back. To stand further away from the fire. And of course, you should pray. You should pray for them. It is not 
us who humble, it is not us who change the hearts of anyone, let alone our own hearts. We pray to God. He's the one that lifts up the humble. He is the one that brings down the proud. He's the one that changes hearts, not us. We won't change people's characters necessarily, but we are responsible for our own. We want to practice humility in our relationships. We consider others as greater than ourselves. We are here to serve other people. I'm here to serve you. You're here to serve everyone. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of a king, of the king. And do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. This is to say, you're not here to serve me. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence. Other people aren't there for you. You're there for other people. We do not assume the places of honour, whether in the workplace, in the church, in our friends' groups, as the pack leader, as it were. Rather, we are striving to be content with anonymity, content with not being known. You don't need to prove yourself to anyone. You don't need to make yourself known, particularly. You don't need to do that. The crucible for silver and furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. When you serve people, they will thank you and they'll praise you for it. And rightly so. That is a good thing. They'll encourage you to keep doing it. Keep going, keep serving, they'll say. Wonderful, wonderful. The tricky thing is, that's exactly what we want. We love that. Love that. We can be motivated by that is the problem. We want to be recognised by other people because in our hearts there is always a corner that is got pride in it that lingers and that grows when praise is fed to it, let's say. But the humble they do not seek after. They're not motivated by the praises of others, so to speak, in order to get them. Instead, the humble serve diligently for the sake of others, not for themselves. And in doing so, people will encourage you. People will praise you. And you should do that. You should praise people. You should encourage people to be serving. Always. But it is a kind of test when that happens in a, in a funny way. It's a kind of test, a kind of trial. The proverb says it's an opportunity for pride to take hold, but it is also equally an opportunity if it is a test, it is also equally an opportunity for humility to take hold, where you receive that thanks and give thanks to God, like a mirror. Say, thank you for serving, or praise God, like a mirror. Here's a good one. Let someone else praise you, and not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. We're all teenagers once, and some of us still are, of course. We used to love to do this as teenagers. It's so easy to do this when we're younger. We love to praise ourselves because we're always learning new things and we love it and we say, I can do this, I can do this, watch me do this. I love it. When we're, when we're growing up and when we're immature, we, we do this. We praise ourselves as we learn new things. That means we're the parents, grandparents, we're the kids, ourselves. Teach your kids, teach yourself this proverb. To not praise yourself. To teach your kids, don't praise yourself. 
Don't, take, don't praise yourself. Grow out of that habit. Grow in maturity. Grow in maturity. Leave those things aside. And hopefully as adults, we've also outgrown this tendency. But especially as Christians. Never to be praising ourselves. That is not for a Christian to do. Something you could do this week is, uh, is listen to yourself sometimes when you're in conversation and how often we talk about ourselves. This uh, happens very easily. We, we do this very easily. How often it is that we bring up ourselves in the conversation. And this is good for building relationships, but it's also something to be careful of. It's a thing that also breaks, that weakens relationships. Because you're not here for yourself. You're here for other people. Relationships work much better when that's the case. Because that is exactly how God has made us, in the wisdom of his, the way that he has ordered creation, in his wisdom. That's how he's made us to be. C.S. Lewis said something really fantastic in his book, Mere Christianity, on uh, what, he, what he titled the chapter, The Greatest Sin. He said this, Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he'll be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of weak or self-abasing person who's really going to tell you that, of course, ah, I'm nobody, I'm nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seems a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. And if you dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He'll not be thinking about humility. He won't be thinking about himself at all. Great words from C.S. Lewis. In the book of Philippians, uh, I'm half Filipino, by the way. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So in his book to my country, Paul exhorted his people to be humble, to serve other people. And just like what Bob was saying earlier, this is exactly what the Lord Jesus has done. And that's exactly what... Paul says, he says, think about the king, the highest being there is, the king on the throne, he comes down and he humbles himself and is humiliated because he undergoes a death for the sake of other people to save us. Think about that Philippian church, when you're having internal conflicts and relationship conflicts Paul said, have the same mind as Christ had. When he wasn't thinking about himself, he was thinking about the love of others. That is the love of God. Pride was an obstacle for the Philippian church. And Paul says, the antidote is humility. To love others more than you love yourself. And lo and behold, that will bring you back together. Often in our pride, we're trying to fix problems. Well, our humility is what will bring us back together. Second point about pride and humility, relationships. The proud person says, I'm better than you. The humble person says, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. Our final point, when it comes to plans and pride and humility, the proud will say, I know my way is the best way to do this. My way is the right way. However, the humble will say, not my will, but the Lord's will be done. Not my will. We all make plans Christmas has just passed. Did you make a plan that didn't quite work out? Any plans fail this Christmas? Got some, a couple, yeah. 
they've kind of got a smile to their face as they say that. So I was like, that's nice. <laughs> Good. This happens just about every day. We get very upset when things don't go the way that we want them to go, despite all of our planning and our preparation and our good intentions and all of our work that we put into the plan. The more it matters to us, the more we plan, the more time we put into it. And then, of course, the more upset we get when it doesn't work out the way that we had planned, when it doesn't happen according to our will. Proverbs 27 says, do not boast about tomorrow. You do not know what a day may bring. So do not boast about tomorrow. You don't know the future. And there is boasting or arrogance or pride in assuming too much on it, in putting too much weight on something that you intend for the future. There is a pride and arrogance that goes with that, a boasting about tomorrow, as the, pro as the proverb says, to be very cautious about. Because we all make plans. So how do we treat our plans then? Well, I think you treat them lightly. You just loosen your grip on them a bit. You don't hold so tightly to them as many people around us do and as I myself do as well. We all love to hold our plans tightly. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. As James said in his New Testament, in his New Testament letter, how should we treat our plans? Instead, we should say, if it is the Lord's will, if it is the Lord's will, I'll do this or I'll do that. Some of us are very good at that. Even for the smallest things, even for the smallest things, you say, oh, but honey, we had plans to go out for breakfast this morning, honey. If it is the Lord's will, if it is the Lord's will, but it's like a 10 minutes, Jemima. Oh, if it's the Lord's will. She's very good at that. Good on you, Jemima. <laughs> More humble. <laughs> Some people are so good at saying, if it is the Lord's will, and they don't just say it, and they really mean it. They really mean it. Holding loosely to their plans. For the Lord establishes our steps, and they're often in different directions than where you thought you would be so often. And when you relinquish your grip, when you relinquish your grasp, you'll be practicing contentment. I bet you make all your plans so that you'll be in a better place at the end than when you begin. You're seeking after contentment. And of course, the more you seek after the contentment, you, it's elusive. It just keeps running further away. There's a shortcut, which is just to be content. <laughs> just to be holding not as tight to the things we want. It will not mean things will go well with you. In fact, the Bible promises things will not go well with you often. But it does mean that whatever happens, things will be well with you regardless, well within you, as we sing that, that old hymn, it is well with my soul. Well, that's contentment. That's contentment. God's plans aren't necessarily that you will have lots of stuff. God's plans aren't necessarily painfully that you will not have great health. Something we, we treasure highly that may not be God's plan. Instead, guaranteed, guaranteed, God's plan is that you love him more, that you love others more, that you serve him more, that you serve others more. Guaranteed. And that will take you all sorts of places. Those are his plans for your life. 
third point today about plans is that the proud say, it's my way. It is my way. But the humble, they don't hold so tightly. Something to practice. They practice contentment. God relationships plans. The humble say, God is king. I'm here to serve you. And as for my will, well, the Lord's will be done. As the band come up and we sing our next song, I'll, let, I'll read these, books again, these, these words again from the letter of Philippians, which uh, Jeff read for us earlier. Therefore, if you have any, any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing, sorry, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Amen.